Crave Eats Drinks Nightlife. Downtown Spokane, they are the sponsor of this segment of the show. Go check out Jacob and the staff. Check out the cauliflower bites, the pretzel bites, their well drinks, and all of the whiskey and liquor that you would want. Even those little jello shots. Check them out. Downtown Spokane, Crave Z Drink Nightlife. palatial podcast studios right here on the south hill of spokane washington special guest today a longtime friend of mine he is my hair guy everybody's got a guy everybody you tell a story i know a guy you need a plumber i know a guy I got a haircut guy. Um, started started uh, coaching his daughter in fast pitch. I don't even know. I don't even know. Seven years ago, eight, uh, six years ago, something like that. Uh, maybe yeah, six years ago. Um, had a guy on my team. A uh, a picture was taken, and it's a story that has been told several times uh, on this show, um, as well as the Hotcast One Radio podcast. When we talk about the round table, we talk about how the Spokane Hawks was formed. My guest today is Randy Arts, um, the owner of Blades Room, where a haircut makes a man. It's up in the Garland District. Um, they were they were hit hard, but made it through the, the pandemic, in air quotes. Um, and he's uh, kicking ass and cutting hair and, and catching up right now. So, you know, he's... Uh, He's a good, hardworking dude. Um, kind of tells the story about about being in the the beer and wine industry and kind of how it had affected him. Um, you know, being in that that and if you know if you're in that industry, you know what I'm talking about um, of being that guy, that party guy, that guy who's trying to make everybody happy. But in you know, in the end, it, it doesn't make anybody happy. So um, we kind of talk about that and we talk about. Um, his new, uh, or not his new, but his, his establishment now, uh, Blades Room, where you're up in the Garland District. And, uh, we talk about his, his pursuit of, um, of his church services, um, and the, and how COVID affected that and kind of his plans for the, the future of that. So, um, it was a good conversation and I was, I was happy to have him on and and talk about uh you know how how covid affected him and and how they're making do through it all so um without further ado i give you randy arts remember please like the show follow along hit that subscribe button but most importantly download the show randy take it away How you been? Pretty good. 
How's uh, what did you find out about your surgery? Um, that it's, I know we talked a little bit about this upstairs, but it's a little but, uh, intertwined. Uh, we thought it was a lipoma removal, pretty basic. The surgeon does you know thirty of them a week or so, and get in there and separate some muscle for forty minutes, and decides to sew me back up because he couldn't figure out what it was. So. Here I am waiting for an MRI, so hopefully we can figure out and exactly when what's he was going searching on. around and moving things around. He didn't see any bone spurs or nothing like that. Not just, that he had mentioned. Yeah, it was just the muscle. He was just separating it like layer by layer is kind of how he kind of spoke it to me or whatever. Told me what he was doing and sounded like he was just tearing up a bag of jerky. <laughs> so that was kind of crazy, but you know, um, but being a barber and everything, you know, it's kind of important to have my shoulder working right and yeah it's been a couple of years struggle lately so and what you weren't having the range of motion that's originally why you went in or range of you motion had that just bag of fluid just, yeah just kind of like uh more just more pain from repetitive motion where we hold our hands as barbers and arms and stuff like that so it's kind of crazy but that and then plus years of not taking care of injuries properly thinking that one game i could throw what 120 pitches that game and not ice afterwards go home and ice for a little bit and then be done with it and say oh i'm good you know so but hopefully uh the mri will get ordered we'll get in there for that and they'll get it figured out and you know it's been a process my my primary doctor was trying to tell me that he didn't think it was the lipoma that was giving me issues but the surgeon that was going to remove it pretty much said that it's all fighting for space in there so it's pushing nerves and stuff like that to the side so that's where a lot of the pain comes from but you know, there's just other stuff in the back, and so they want to dial in what's really wrong with the shoulder, and, you know, hopefully we can do that with the MRI and maybe just fillet it open once, or I guess that'll be number two. Twice, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're sitting here with Randy Arts, the owner of Blades Room. Yeah. They are in the Garland, or they, he is in the Garland business district up there here in yep. Spokane. Um, with With this injury that you have, how does it affect you? cutting hair is it the position is it holding still yeah more holding still they say you know the most uh common uh injury for barbers or hairstylists in general or anybody kind of in the cosmetic industry is like torn rotator cuffs because you know you're sitting there with your arms elevated a certain space all day and you're on your feet all day as well so that kind of will just bring on back issues because i'm not really a gym rat so you know, I'm sure that might help if I worked out a little bit more. But just with that, and then the way that my one doctor explained it, he said, you know, you cut hair all day, <clears throat> and then you want to go home and, like, mow the yard, and then you go to crank on that string, and boom, you'll pull a tendon or, you know, tear you got to stretch before and, mowing and yeah, stuff doing like the weed that. eater. So you definitely, you know, as we get older, <laughs> we, we wish we would have thought and listened to all of our mentors before us saying, you know, take care of that. And we're like, yeah, I take care of it. But now I know almost 41 at the end of this month so you know well and you do you and, played baseball yep. bow hunting fishing yep. uh, i mean anything else that it causes I this for quite a while with Mer- the yep. beer industry yep. and stuff like that too so yeah definitely a lot of physical work in my lifetime and lots of sports and stuff like that and obviously my big love right now is fishing so i can steal real left-handed so i'm good it's always good to be because you never know. You might get a cramp in this arm. Yep, we got to yep. switch over. That <laughs> but, fish, you know, that fish is moment, still swimming. Man, that's just that's all the <laughs> adrenaline going. You know what? Shoulder injury. Oh, <laughs> but 
Yeah, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll just get it all taken care of. But yeah, I mean it affects me like fatigue wise. I think my sweet number is probably five cuts for the day, and then anything after that just kind of becomes a strain, really. And within my, my appointment's my at four, and he starts at ten. <laughs> yeah, you're usually like number seven, eight, eight or nine on the list by the end of the day. But you know, I mean, hey, we all got families, and we got to provide for our kids and our our household, and. You know, so I grind probably harder than I should at times, and that's just what we got to do to take care of business. How long have you been cutting hair for? Man, I graduated that 2001, but I was kind of cutting in high school a little bit, so 20-plus years for sure, 20 years licensed. So I've had my own business now since uh, opened August 24th of 2009 and been going ever since. So, you know, most people want to break the bank and take out loans to – you know, start their businesses. And I started with, you know, pretty much trade for all the, the work in my first shop to get that all set up and everything. And as far as the, the appearance in the inside and all that and some remodel stuff, but I started with 40 bucks change out of my personal checking account. And here we are still rolling. So what did you have to do for training before that? Uh, you have did you to go through school. Yeah. To be able to cut hair, you have to go through cosmetology or barbering. Cosmetology is a bit longer, separation is cosmetologists can't shave barbers can't do chemical services so really that's about the fine line between it which i'm a full bore cosmo so i just kind of specialized in men's cutting over the last however many years so and it's different it, it it's different than cutting yeah. a man's hair to a woman's hair oh, yeah. is different you you do need a guy that understands that yeah because i've went i've been to plenty of I don't know, salons, I guess, to have my hair cut because they were the cheapest. They're offering 10 buck haircuts, but it's never level. My hair, I have two cowlicks plus one in the back. And you have to know that going in. If you don't understand a man's hair and stuff like that, just, you know, I'm, I'm obsessive about the just blend lines, man. Don't, I don't want no bowl cuts, you know, sometimes you just can't, can't get around that with coloring a hair and the scalp color and, stuff or divots in the head or you know the sausage pack in the back for the bigger dudes but you, know, you just gotta shave those areas out and keep them clean <laughs> how are you with the new new styles or the trends do you gotta uh, you ever look anything up to go what the hell is he talking not about not really like <clears throat> well i don't know the latest craze was like you know the the junior high high school early 20 year old boys are like wanting perms and stuff so you know, that was kind of weird, but, you know, thankfully for my cosmetology side of everything, you know, I can still do perms. and Pull out the rollers. Yeah, yeah that's right. And it, it's pretty funny, too, because these boys, <laughs> I make sure that, it, you know, when I see them in public, I'm like, yo, that perm looking good. <laughs> Don't talk about the perm, what? <laughs> but, you know, was, I guess I started, I think, from like three boys on YouTube or something like that. So, you know, those social media platforms push some pretty heavy stuff and, you know. All the boys want perms now. They went from the hard part comb over, which was the hardest hairstyle for me to get used to just because of the the disconnected style of the cut, you know. They didn't want your traditional just clean, high and tight or blend or <clears throat> whatever you want to call it. It's just, you know, I mean, it's just like a heavy bowl cut, you know. I mean, I like my stuff nice and clean and crisp and, you know. so that I, I never liked that hard bit. part. Yeah, I mean, I'd say probably 80% of my clientele went through it, and then they get lazy with it because, you know, it is a lot of upkeep for, you know, most of the most people that aren't used to scheduling appointments or being in quite often because, you know, shaving that hard line in straight down the side of the head, you know, that's grown out in three, four days. And, 
you know, for upkeep on that. <clears throat> if you want it really nice, you know, I mean, it's every two weeks. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Which is they, great for you. Yeah. They get lazy with that. And then, uh, you know, then it just goes with a bowl cut. And, you know, everybody's like, no, no, it's the undercut. And I'm like, no, man, I had that same cut when I was in eighth grade. That is a bowl cut with a new <laughs> name. That's all it is. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I mean, there's some some styles that are just kind of, you know, I mean, I'll do what you want and most of the time. But, you know, if you look like a fool, that's your own fault because you picked the haircut. Out. What is, what is the style now? The perm? Yeah, pretty much perm, like bowl cut. They'll pull it up, keep it in a, like, you know, man bun or what have you and just kind of fade it up around the sides or they'll just, you know, shave it to the skin and call it good and think they're looking fly. But And you have all ages. I mean, you do kids, yeah, you yeah, do my youngest, son. Youngest boy I ever cut was 10 months old, 10 weeks old. Damn. No, four months old. Yeah, I think he was four months old. Apparently <clears throat> got any hair. No, he had a lot of hair. He had Actually, a lot of hair? Yeah, yeah he oh, had okay. a lot of hair. And then he was, then he pretty much came in. Mom and dad brought him in pretty much every three weeks after that. And then we kind of had a little dispute about some Seahawks and 49ers stuff. And <laughs> they quit coming in the shop. So, you know, it's red and gold, baby. <laughs> Football fans. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, so you were doing beer and stuff like that before. What, what made the switch over? Just something new? You got uh, tired no, of No, my ex-wife the... actually, she's now gone or whatever, passed away, but you know, we might get into that later. But, uh, yeah, she pretty much told me it was family or job. And I kind of in my head knew that, you know, our relationship was done at that point. But, you know, so I, I played the game for a little bit and opened up my own business knowing that I wasn't going to make as much money as I was in the beer industry, but I made that choice for the family and roughly, Oh man, what was it about? I think it was two years after that is when she asked for a divorce. So mm. yeah. oh, you Just can a give a woman anything yeah. she asked for. If yep. she doesn't have it in her heart, yep. then she's still going to walk away. Yep. 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 Um. That was pretty much the story of that one. So, you know, beer industry does a number on a relationship. If you don't know how to properly, <laughs> organize your day have, have have personal life and have work life you know to me i got paid to eat drink and socialize and i got paid very well and i socialized and i drank like a champ so you know it was all <laughs> it was well, a good marriage that, in my opinion <laughs> that's what you look you know you get out of college you want to get into yep, sales yep. and you know you want to keep that party lifestyle but Funny you want to make is, money is she was the one that actually got me the job doing it because i had uh i worked at like the super cuts and the great clips for like the first four or five years of my career and um, left there and went to rent a station at a place and it just wasn't as busy as the gal said. So I was kind of looking for work and really didn't want to go back to the chains and just knew I could hustle cuts out of the house or wherever I needed to. But, uh, yeah, then she was, she's a hair, she was a hairstylist as well. I met her at the Glendow Academy, but, uh, she was doing the hair for the girlfriend of the owner of Budweiser here in town, the Budweiser distributor. She's like, yo, my husband's looking for work. You know, you think, think you get a job at the Budweiser plant or whatever. And <laughs> I walked in there the first day <clears throat> for my interview in the warehouse, man. Like everybody, you know, they, they type a alphas up in this warehouse. And I walked in with like a half a shaved head and some color in my hair. And this dude's like, he's like, I don't even know why you're in my warehouse. He's like, we ain't even got a position open. And I don't know why they'd send a faggot queer to come in here and try to work oh my goodness. in the, in the warehouse. And I was like, excuse me. He's like, well, shows here, you know, all you do is cut hair. So, I'm, you know, I'm just assuming. And I was yeah. like, well, that's the problem with you assuming. We yeah. know what that means. So, you know, I, I left and 
uh, owner of the place called me back or whatever and was like, no, you got to go in for another interview. And I was like, no, dude, I ain't going to go sit with Tom again. <laughs> like he, he has the toughest banter in the world. And so I went in there and he's like, yo, bro, like, what are you doing in my warehouse again? And I was like, I, don't, I, I was told I got a job and you're my boss. So you figure out what you're going to do with me in your warehouse. And, you know, it took me probably about three months to really prove myself and earn my place in there and started to move up quick. And then I left that plant, went to another company that was hiring, pretty much ground level, import micros, fine wines, stuff like that. Um, I think you actually did a podcast with Terry Nichols. He mm-hmm. was my yep. boss at that place. So he's had yeah, in their new in location me. and it is phenomenal. Yes. I cannot wait to get in there and check it out. But yeah, so he was my boss at a couple locations for beer and wine sales stuff but yeah i mean that's an interesting business man you really you can take it to the fullest it, it's for single men that's what it's for <laughs> or women i guess <laughs> not to discriminate yeah 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 <laughs> no discrimination on that did uh you ever get into brewing your own beer was that a did that uh, you ever think about that i at always all? thought about it but you know it's a big process and there's lots of bigger people above me to do it and you know i had any beer I wanted at my fingertips. So yeah. Why, why waste the time in the garage trying to be a, <laughs> a beer chemist? So, yeah. It's something I've thought about just to, just to play around with, but yeah. then it's like, there's so much there that's right at your fingertips yep. that, you know, the and then do you the want to start drinking side. all of that beer that you're making? Yep. You know, yep. that's yep. the wine's the real interesting side though. Cause there's so much that just goes into wine that people don't understand. And I never, I never thought wine was that good until I got that job. And, I'll tell you what, man, the biggest, driest red you can get, that that's my jam right there. I love that stuff. So I just recorded with um, Bob Chrislaw. Mm. You remember him from the Iron Pigs? Yeah, yeah. Um, he owns, uh, I think it's the, his wife's side of the family owns a winery down in Walla Walla. Oh, okay. I wanted to ask him about that, but we had spent two hours already talking about baseball and life oh, yeah. and our movies and all that stuff. <laughs> So I'm gonna have to have him on again, but yeah. he's done. Um, he's done scuba diving trips. He's done. You know, he does the wine down in Walla Walla, and he does a bunch of other stuff that I would love to talk to him about. But yeah. what what about the wine fascinates you? Man, it's just the whole process of just like how small those vines start, and like the older they get, the better juice they produce, and you know, just how many <clears throat> how many bottles or how many you know we'll say wineries actually bottle the same source which being the grapes from these large grape producers you know so you could take a top shelf bottle that's you know 35 40 bucks and right below it you know for the the two buck chuck down there on the bottom level you know you're getting the same source of juice or whatever in that bottle it's just nobody really cares to read the back of it they just you know they want to drink their wine and have a good time but yeah, no, that a, one's $5. I'll have that one. 14 that's a little too much. <laughs> I'll know, take the $5 there's bottle. There's a lot of good $5 bottles <laughs> out there, too. But, you know, that and just, you know, everybody's happy in that biz. You know, there's a lot of a lot of chemistry that goes into that. And, you know, it's kind of a free spirit world out there. You know, I mean, most of these vineyards are huge. They employ, you know, some of the, some of the, I don't even know how you say it. We'll just say Mexicans. I mean, because that's what it was all yep. over California when I went down to some of them, even down in Walla Walla and stuff. But, you know, they'll have mama in there cooking burritos all day and tortillas and beans and just to feed the crew that goes into processing and packaging and breaking down these grapes to produce these bottles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. But Well, I do a run from, from Spokane to Wenatchee, mm-hmm. and Wenatchee has 
you know, vineyards all over the place. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're out there pruning, they're out there trimming, they're yeah. out there watering, moving lines, yep. you know, picking it at that point. But it's a, it's a process and yep. it takes a lot of employees yep. to make a vineyard run. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge process. What, what, what was the downfall? Was it the partying? Was it the drinking of, of what you were doing <clears throat> the before? The downfall, like, honestly, like, in the beer business is just being a bread, like, you, you kind of got to groom yourself to be a liar or. A used car salesman? It, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, because you got these, you know, these, these bars and restaurants that are, you know, taking, you know, we're getting orders from them and they're wanting product and us as the supply chain knows that, you know, that product's not going to be until midweek next week, but you need two kegs by this weekend. We're like, Oh yeah, you know, we'll send it through <laughs> knowing damn well that it says add a stock oh, no, on the there. Truck but, blew a tire you know, yeah, on the way they, in they keep calling. They're like, you know, what's up, what's up? Like, you know, where's my product? And it's like, Oh, what? It didn't make the truck. Like my bad, you know? So it's, you got to kind of cover some stuff up and you know, stuff like that. So that, but you know, you really, it's just the separation of personal life and the biz really. I mean, the drinking side, it's all, Depends on what kind of self-control you have, I guess, really. I mean, <laughs> I had none. <laughs> At least once I actually got, you know, in the bar biz on that side selling. But, yeah, I'd say, you know, I mean, the drinking definitely will take a toll. But, you know, I think I felt more guilty on the lion side most of the time. But What, uh, so you got out of that, started your own business. What is it? Were you nervous about starting your own business or was it, were you doing them both at the same time doing the, doing the beer sales? Yeah, so I, I opened in, what was it? August 24th of 2009. And then I went to work for the Odom corporation just as a merchandiser in January of, I guess that would have been 2010. And then I worked for them for a year. So I'd work six to two thirty throwing beer on the shelves in the grocery stores and then after that, I'd go to the shop and cut till, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night, sometimes 11, midnight, whatever. And, uh, yeah, so I hustled them both for quite a while, at least that year. And then You I almost to, have to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I got to that point where clientele was steady enough and, you know, it was kind of starting to mirror each other money-wise as far as, you know, the work and the effort of that. And then I think that's really where a lot of my shoulder issues came in because I was so physical for – you know, six, eight, ten hours of my morning and the first half of my day, and then I just settle down behind the chair with my arms in one spot all the time. So, you know, I think that was a little bit of the issue, but you know, yeah, it's just a, it's a balance. <laughs> well, and then family life. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. got two girls. Uh, three, three, three yep, girls. Yep. Sorry, and then now a grandbaby. Yep. So you know, you've got to balance your life, your yep. your kids, your wife, yep. your business now yep um what have you learned as a business owner and, uh, from when you from when you started and jumped in and then now you know you're 11 years later what what have you learned uh you still got to remember where you come from like all those people you know the the few that are still with me from day one because i mean 20 years is a long time to spend with somebody in the chair but um you know, that and just don't be taken advantage of. Don't, I wish I would have had somebody tell me that in the beginning. Like, you know, don't, once you open it, like you really don't have to, you might have to hustle in the beginning, but you know, I hustled so much of my career that it's just what it turned into. It's just, I'm, I'm kind of a people pleaser by nature and, you know, just trying to say no is something that's difficult for me to do. And, 
you know? So it's like my schedule's packed and I'm like, you know, I got certain hours that I am open. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'll open an hour early for you. And then before I know it, I'm, you know, <laughs> there are two, three hours before I'm supposed to open. And then pretty soon that's just my cycle. And, you know, so. And you're all by appointment. Yeah, by you appointment know, only. Unless somebody has something special that needs to be yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. There's There hasn't been room for walk-ins for, shoot, probably. Well, I know you five, got the sign, but I don't think like it moves that. very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, uh, I really, I don't even have an open sign on my shop no more. It's like people know that, like, if you've got an appointment, like, it's gold, you know. Yeah. And most of the time, if I have something come up personally or whatever, I'm pretty good about letting people know and, you know, at least ahead of time and whatnot, but. You know, it's just the cancel or the no show, no calls that, you know, they really kick my ass at this point, yep. you know, cause you know, I charge 35 bucks a cut and you know, most people will throw me 40 bucks and you know, if you're no show, no call and that's, you know, 40 bucks out that hour. And I always got people like, man, call me, you know, I'll be on that cancellation list. Well, every time I've tried to call somebody, man, I got to stay at home. I think my goldfish might drown, you know, it's just <laughs> stupid, stupid excuses, but you know, so I just kind of cut that out together and you know, through the COVID situation and us being shut down, like it really brought to light, like just how much like people don't pay attention to me and like, we'll say the emotional investment I put into my clients. You know, I just don't think that, you know, 60% of them even, you know, could tell me anything that's went on in my life really. Cause they just, you know, there's people that still come in and it's like, Oh, is this a new chair? It's like, no, bro, same chair you've been sitting in for four years. <laughs> you know, when'd you put that on the wall? Uh, when I moved in four years ago. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting just to see, you know, the the surface layer that people are. And then, you know, I mean, I take it way past the chair. You know, a lot of a lot of the people I cut, I fish with, I play ball with. You know, it's like I'm about the relationship side of it, whereas you know, most people have just been bred to, you know, oh, I need a haircut, I'm going to run super cuts, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of relational matters that need to, you know, yep. be more concrete, more trustworthy, because, you know, everybody's always willing to throw out the, hey, if you need anything, let me know. And then, you know, most of the time, I mean, I think we can both attest to this, but, you know, when you do reach out, like some people are just like, oh, man, something's going on, I can't do this, you know. But it's like, you know, you got your core dudes that, you know, really, no matter what, they'll stick with you. But, okay. You know, COVID just really uncovered the, just the bullshit side of people. You know, How did just, you manage to get through it? Um, Well, thankfully, I am enrolled native, so, or upper Skagit tribe over on the coast. Um, so we got some COVID relief money through that. Um, we had just kind of, my wife and I, we, we filed our taxes like early that year. So it was like kind of just all these sequences that led up to, we kind of had a cash pool, you know, stocked up. So we were able to kind of go into that, you know, governmental shutdown, we'll call it, you know, pretty prepared without like really knowing it. And then plus for being a sole proprietor or business owner, we were able to draw unemployment for the one and only time in our life, unless, you know, another pandemic hits mm -hmm. or something, you know, so. Well, and there was what a, it was an extra six, six week window dollar to they, uh, they allowed you to open mm. up and then they shut everybody back down again. Yeah. yeah. How so, full was your schedule during that six oh week period? Gosh, dude, it was ridiculous. It was, well, when we first opened up, you know, we, we have three people that work in the shop. It's me, my wife, and then one of her friends that she's known for years since she's lived in Spokane. And it was like, you know, they said that none of us could work at the same time. Like you had to do like a half an hour on each end of your appointment for cleaning and all that. Like, 
hello people like dude we're in the beauty care industry like we already take better care and sanitize way better than 90 percent of restaurants in Mm -hmm. the city (laughs) so you know i mean that was nothing new to us trying to you know keep stuff clean and up to snuff or whatever but you know so we had to break it up so i work tuesday wednesday thursday my wife works thursday friday saturday and then the other gal works like friday saturday sunday monday so there's always somebody in the shop but um getting that unemployment was everything because i mean i had a little bit of clergy pay or whatever because we were running a a dinner church out on the spokane indian reservation for a while too and um so that's what docked me on my full take from unemployment or whatever so i got the extra six hundred dollars plus 89 so i got 689 a week which you know I, I took care of a lot of stuff around the house for getting paid from the govy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, my grandson's grandkids are going to have to pay for this little situation. We just made it through. So, you and you've know. done, you've done, um, fireworks. Yeah. You've that, done, that's fun. you've done, you're your pastor and you did something else. God, what was the other thing that you, you started doing? Um, um Tell us about the fireworks. Let's let's start right there. So the fireworks. How, what, are, what are you doing? You're, uh, you're blowing up shit and getting to smile. Yeah, about yeah it. for real. Like, so we go to church with a guy. He owns a pyroman. What is it? Pyroman Technic or let me think. I gotta think for a second. Yeah, something. Pyroman. Yeah, something. Pyroman. Something. Um, but so I get to go actually shoot off the show on Grand Coulee Dam. So. We get the white glove treatment from the security, the federal level, taking a bunch of explosives on top of a federal <laughs> federal dam and get to blow that up. You got to have clearance. Do you got to have all sorts of stuff for that? Yeah they, yeah, they do background checks prior to even being let on. And if there's something that comes up that pings their radar, they'll let the dude know like, hey, this guy's not allowed up here. And once you're on that dam, you can't get off for the whole day. And we usually show up 8 a.m. And we're not off until probably 1 a.m. by okay. the time the show's done. And there's a lot of work that goes into it, but I was just kind of messing around like, Hey man, what's it take to get on this fireworks crew or whatever? And he's like, Oh, you know, it was just like three weeks before the first training session. So they do a training show a year and it's out at the, was it pioneer days? Is that what they do out in medical Lake? Yes. So they do the founders founders. Founders Yeah. So they do the, the fireworks show there. So Dan, he actually gets to use that as kind of the training show for anybody that's new that comes in or somebody that just needs, you know, that's uh, a that's a good way of not having to pay for your help. You call it a training. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So everybody comes <laughs> in, you know, we all learn. And, you know, a lot of those shows are all like hand lit, too, with just little torches. And I tell you what, man, that that fireworks display show is a lot different when you're standing under it and lighting those fuses off. Like, you know, you're sitting out in the sitting out on the grass watching it and you're like, man, this is pretty cool. You know, you can kind of pick out the flaws, but once you're behind the scenes and you know sequences and stuff like that, you can just watch a fireworks show and be like, man, that dude was off. He wasn't lighting quick <laughs> enough. It's like watching <laughs> a baseball like, game. You know, yeah, eight or ten shots quicker than the other side. But, you know, it's it's definitely you have to be alert. You definitely it's not an intoxicating situation. Like, you know, we're even told by the by the owner of it, like whatever city we go to to do a fireworks show, like, don't let me catch you drinking in the bar that night or, you know, during the day before, you know, if we're there for the weekend, like, you know, just don't be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, which is work, pretty cool, you know, people that are going to come out and observe the show, they want to know that everything's safe and 
whatnot. But uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, we were setting up for a show at, I think it was Sun Up Lakes out there by Grand Coulee. And, you know, if anybody's ever been out there, it's just, it's a windy area. And it, light switch, like, you know, it'll be calm, glass water. And then it's like 30 mile an hour winds just out of nowhere. So we're sitting there like all day, like forecast was calling like wind to be super, super heavy, like right before the show was supposed to start. So we were getting right down to it. There were some gusts that came through. We got everything set up and we were, you know, kind of standing around waiting for, you know, the final decision from the fire marshals and the resort owner and all that stuff. And pretty soon we just had a sustained like 35 mile an hour headwind and so we shot up just kind of a tester or whatever, and it went it went up and straight back like twenty yards behind us. Okay. So everything was would have fell in the park where okay. some of the people were sitting because then across the lake is where the resort area was. But um, so then the fire marshal's like, no, and it's like, dude, we put in so much work setting the show up in like hundred and ten degree weather that day, <laughs> and then at the end of the night. Just tear it all back down and come back tomorrow and yeah. do a shot again in case the, the wind is going to be bearable. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty cool to just stand up there. Once we get to the – there's, like, a switchboard, too, so a lot of it will run wires and, like, hardwire them. So you just flip a switch, and it sends that charge to it and shoot off a box, what we call, like, a cake box. So there's, like, you know, 500 shots in it where it's do 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 So once you get to that part and you just kind of step back and just watch everything fall – now I know what the boys on Sandlot felt like in the middle of the night game. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Just stand around and look at it like, yeah, this is cool. So, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good thing. I definitely don't do it for the money because, I mean, really the money ain't worth it, but it's all about that adrenaline rush, man. I yeah. love to blow shit up and I love fires and <laughs> that's my gig. Have you, have you been a part of any fires being started? Uh, no. Nope. Nope. Not that we know of. We did get calls. Uh, was a couple of years ago. We got calls while we were on Grand Coulee about the one out at the casino where they were lighting up the whole fields and everything. And okay. I mean, we kind of we kind of had our opinion that it was kind of unsafe to do that show there anyway, the way that the company was setting it up. But you know. if you've been downtown to the new Dry Fly location. The outdoors are calling. They said to bring more dry fly, and there's no better place than to be downtown Spokane to grab your bottles, your canned cocktails, and your merch from their new location downtown. Right on the corner of Monroe and Riverside at 1021 West Riverside in the heart of downtown Spokane, Washington. You will not be disappointed with that canned cocktail. You will not be disappointed in the vodka, the bourbon, the whiskey, all from Dry Fly Distilling. Check them out, dryflydistilling.com or on their Facebook page. Yeah, you're the judge. <laughs> How do you go about ordering? Is it, does your, does the owner... Yeah, so he's get actually, the combos he, yeah, and all he's that actually, stuff. He's bought up a couple of different companies, so he's got quite a bit of like stock on hand. So there's, you know, there's three or four or five different pyro facilities just in the Northwest that put on all these shows. You know, he's been, he's had the luxury of doing like the shock games. He's got to do like the Kiss concerts at the arena. So, you know, New Year's Eve fireworks, just other random fireworks. I mean, this company is responsible for probably. I'd say 50% of the shows around our area, like stretching as far as like Coeur d'Alene Casino, 
Deer Park, Loon Lake, stuff like that. Priest River, like yeah, he he's in charge of quite a few of the shows. Huh, so. Crazy. Yeah, his son-in-law is actually kind of his uh, his like go-to man. So he's got his crew, and Dan's got his crew, and then he's got a couple other guys that just have their crews where everybody it's just that's their show and. But it is interesting, though, because you kind of, you know, you're reading the, the mortar balls and they're saying, you know, like a, a silver to blue fading peony or whatever. And you're like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and then you're trying to remember, like, when that one shoots off, I want to see it in the sky. So I remember, like, oh, that's the bursting meadow bird or something okay. like that. And it always says the colors. So, you know, you kind of have to think, you know, you can't just stack, you know, one whole crate with you know, all purples or something like that. You know, you got to give the variety and oh, some of those names. It's just funny to me because I'll be shouting them out like, isn't that funny to you? <laughs> I like the, I like the ones that go up and you can see it go up and then it's that it's a, percussion. Boom, blast. Yeah, just a real deep. That's boy, what yep, I like. Yep, those are my fave too. And those are, those definitely hit harder when you're under them. Oh really? Like when you're out watching them, like it's good, but like when you're under them, yeah, it's crazy. Because <laughs> the sound travels straight back down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then plus, I mean, you know, the smallest balls that we do are two inch balls, and then I think we have licensing or whatever to go all the way up to like I think a six or an eight inch mortar ball. So when those things are going off, it's I mean, it's moving the whole because we have to put these like kind of pallet crate looking things together so that each one of them holds ten shots. There's a big like. Uh, fiberglass tube in there so you drop all the balls in there and then you have to pull all the all the fuses out and you have to prep them all put rubber bands around them make sure they're all lined up and sometimes we'll cut the safety fuse so it goes a little quicker but okay is <laughs> it like a big potato gun uh remember, pretty, you remember yeah, those yeah, growing yeah, up we had much, potato but guns? they're all like it's stationary in a basic i forget what the exact angle is but it's you know, a slight angle or whatever pointed out over the, wherever you're shooting it, usually over the water or whatever. But yeah, some of them are just like on one fuse. So you light it and then it'll just, you know, that one goes off then it slowly goes. But like I said, back to that safety fuse, like sometimes it's just too long of a wait. So then you get the black sky and that's where you can kind of pick shows apart where you're like, Oh, we got dead sky here. Like something should be at all points of the show. Something should be showing tracers or blowing up somewhere. And, See, I think we did, we did, I got to move this with, we did 4th of July at Waits Lake okay. this year, and I think they did it themselves on like a pontoon or mm. a party barge or something like that. So you could see the show, there's six shots, yeah, and then it was a little wait. Yeah. And then you'd look over to the left because the hotel or the resort was firing <laughs> Everybody off. Everybody else and then, and then they wait. And then whoever was in back was firing off theirs. Yeah. And then these guys would get theirs back loaded yeah. up. So you were constantly moving around looking for the next pop-up. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think they did it themselves. Cool we could have done like a night baseball game or something to call them up and be like, hey, bro, can we do a little fireworks show? Like, <laughs> but, So know. to do that, if you wanted to keep the sky bright, what are we using? What do you mean? Like to keep the sky bright so that we could see, you know, the guys pitching the ball in and Oh yeah. I don't you know, know. You, we, it's gotta be somewhat light. Yeah. I don't well, I, I just yeah, just I was saying more maybe like a show like seventh inning or right oh, okay. after the game or something. Okay, like gotcha. That, just to just to add that little extra like, man, those Spokane Hawks. I wanted I just wanted constant <laughs> boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom. Probably going back to those cake boxes, they just kind of they can fan back and forth in like a you know a clear color, what we would think would be daylight. But man, that'd be a lot of smoke too. And then I want those percussion blasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, preferably right when the pitcher is about to release. Yep. We had when did I get shook up? Um, were we playing? We were playing beer darts. 
We were playing beer darts. So you ever played beer darts? So you lay you lay nope. two cans like this and then two cans like this, and you're just throwing darts. Okay, so almost kind of like lawn darts. Oh, yeah, exactly okay. like lawn darts, but we're shooting at beer cans. Okay. So if you if you pierce the can, then that the other team has to then drink that can of beer. Oh, okay. And I'm set up, and I'm and I'm and I'm outlying. You know how a dead body you lay there and you spray yeah. paint it, right? Yeah. I'm doing that with the darts. Okay, <laughs> I'm missing, but I'm so close to hitting. So I get ready to throw, and I'm concentrating, I'm concentrating, and then, boom! And it shakes me <laughs> right as I got ready to throw. And you I'm like, the can? No, I no, I missed that. I don't even think I got it halfway oh, there. Man, it just startled funny. me so bad. I yell, "Don't talk during my backswing!" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. That uh, yeah, that was that, that. We're playing beer darts. Did you have fun? Yeah, she I had did. fun. That was the first time meeting my ex-wife. Yeah, it was. We she invited us out, so it oh, was good. I got you. Kids were all out there, so we came out. You know, there I got a client that show. always his big joke when he used to get well, when he was a little more uh, vocal coming into the shop, he'd always like first thing if the shop was full of people, he'd always be like, you know what the leading cause of divorce is? Everybody's like, cheating, you know, I don't have money. And he's like, no marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just sits there and they're like, well, yeah, I, I guess, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, I used to drop that bomb on occasion. It was pretty funny just to watch faces in the shop. <laughs> so you had um, you had uh, clients that came in that are no longer there because you're a 49ers fan. Yes, sir. We got football starts tonight. Yeah, that's right. It does. How uh, how, are your, how are your 49ers looking? You know, I honestly, I should probably follow them better for as much shit as I talk. But, you know, I mean, to me. Tell their 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 regular season on the field, you know, that's when it starts. But here there's good things from the quarterback we picked up. I mean, word on the street is Jimmy G's still gonna be the starter, which he still ain't convinced me he's our dude. I'm still hung up on the Alex Smith situation years ago, mm-hmm. but you know, I still red and gold and I've watched him forever. She's a Rams fan. Oh, I am excited to see how Stafford does there this year, though. He's hurt right now. Oh, is he? Yeah, shoulder. Oh, yeah. See, I don't even pay attention. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. How is he going to do this year? I don't know. I think he's going to be fine. I think to have an offense that actually runs the ball, he's going to fucking yeah. love that. Yeah. All right, I'm hoping him and Cooper Cup just uh, get a nice little sleeping bag relationship. <laughs> 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 Cooper's due for a big season. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's the flip of a coin when it comes fantasy draft time this year for me. I've had him every year for quite a few lately. and He just don't prove himself no more. What do, what do you think? Don't know. Speechless? Ah, uh, Cooper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How much football do you get to watch? I watch quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have cable at home, so I watch whatever's on Channel 6, 2, or 28. They all come in good. Covers it. But, yeah. I mean, really, Niners don't get to play too often. But the one game that's important, you know, that that Seahawk-Niner game in Seattle, I actually have a client that has season tickets since Kingdome era. Okay. Um, So he told me that until one of us dies, I get that other ticket to go to the Niners-Hawks game. Okay. yeah. And I and I asked that because you're a pastor at your church there. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the church. Uh, well, the church we started, it was three years ago. 
went on a mission trip over to Romania, got called into ministry to be a pastor uh, to the Native American people out to, you know, where, you know, wherever we could pretty much find a location to go, go preach out there or bring the word of God. But uh, yeah, so we actually landed out at the Spokane Indian Reservation out in Wellpinit. Well, our church was out in the West End community out there and what we did was a dinner church. So it's definitely not your typical like box style church, you know, where you got to go in and feel guilty about everything you do and all these rules and regs and all that. And so we got to go out and just provide a free meal and kind of more of a devotional style message, you know, 10, 12, 15 minutes, you know, unless, unless God was leading us, you know, to more at that point or whatever, but, you know, going out to the reservation and, uh, you know, trying to be that, that light to people was very, very difficult in the beginning. Um, just that trust level between, you know, the Indian and the white man. Cause you know, there's just lots of stuff being uncovered still about all that. But, um, being called to the reservation was definitely a reality check. Very, very lost for words, I guess in the beginning, but you know, cold knocking on doors out there on a reservation definitely will, it'll definitely open your eyes and realize how much you trust God to protect you in all areas where you're at. Okay. You know, we, we, we were met with, you know, a couple pistols and some, oh, really? some hefty words of, you know, why are you out here? And they went pretty deeper than that. But, you know, as we progressed out there and had time and met more of the community, we were, we were accepted pretty quick, you know, and a lot of my team members, I mean, I think my wife and I are the only ones that actually have native blood. So pretty much our whole team was white and we come from a church that was wealthy. So, you know, the Indian looks at us as the wealthy white man that just wants to come in and change everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was still layers of trust that had to be built after that as well. How did you go about having to prove your prove yourself? Because you are you are native. Yeah. So how did you have to how did you have to prove that to them? Um, I mean I got one of those cool little identification cards. So you know I could did just you wear it swear it on a lanyard. <laughs> you know, I, I, I could show that. But you know, I mean I got a sticker on the back of my truck says upper scale. Randy Arts Pastor. Yep. <laughs> native card. <laughs> Enrolled. <laughs> but uh you know I I think they accepted me on that level, but it was just like what we heard mostly from the community was we've never like seen Jesus in this way. We've never seen like his people act in this manner really. And a lot of the people that attended our services would never even darken the doors at a box church because they'd been hurt by the church, pressured into giving, you know, something else might have went haywire. They seen the pastor doing something they didn't agree with. So, you know, all of a sudden he's unworthy to them or what have you. And, um, so, you know, it's just kind of like that process through all that, but you know, them just, you know, I mean, it was a free meal and you know, I love to cook and stuff too. So that was even better for me. But like a lot of these people, some of the food they ate, they were just like, you know, I, I've only dreamt of eating this kind of stuff. Like, you know, I mean, we put a spread of prime rib on for, you know, Christmas one year and they just, they absolutely like I don't even know what, how, how am I supposed to eat this? <laughs> like, you know, I, I only see this on the casino menu, but it's always like a $50 a plate tag, okay. you know, but it's just like, no, you know, God's arms are wide and his table is plentiful. Like come eat, you know, and that's, you know, there was, there, there was no commitments really. And no, here's I think, dinner and, and, and whatever I feel like, you is know, spoken. We, 
we had more growth, like just relationally. And, you know, anytime we'd kind of come to the end of a service and we'd be like, Hey, you know, we got, you know, our team members or whatever, you know, if you want prayer, you know, there's something going on, you know, come find one of us and we'll pray with you. Well, that wasn't the case. Like they just, they wouldn't come to us. So it's like, you know, we're sitting in a building full of obviously generationally disturbed and hurt people, just anything you could think of in the past, you know, rape, molestation, just anything that can go on in a weird, small area, especially to, you know, other people groups that just goes untalked about. So, you know, there were people with very damaged souls that, you know, just didn't want to open up. So, you know, we, we would kind of pick up on, you know, those that were, you know, really hurting or, you know, needed it and whatnot. And so we'd pursue them and we'd just be like, Hey, can we pray with you? And, you know, they just melt. They're just like, Oh, how did you know? And it's just like, well, you know, I mean, God leads us, <laughs> led us up here. You know, we kind of have that, that, that connection with the Holy spirit where we can tell where people are really hurting. And, you know, it's just like, you, know, you ain't got to tell us everything. Like, this is what I feel like's going on. This is what I feel like the Lord's telling me. And then, you know, most of the time they're just like, man, that's spot on. And it's like, you know, it's not like we're, <laughs> we're some kind of math magician or, you know, magicians up in here or anything, you know, that's, that's just that true connection and, you know, your, your spiritual walk and, you know, people just really enjoyed just seeing, you know, like they're like the Jesus I read about in the Bible. I feel like what you guys are doing is what he would be doing. He wouldn't be like, Hey, let's all get in a building and let's look pretty for a day. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can go back to your hate everybody life, you know, the other six days of the week, but you know, they were just, they could see the genuine side of it all. Cause you know, I mean, we're all brothers and sisters under God. So, you know, are they looking forward to the, to it now? Uh, and then are, how big are you? How you started at how many to where at now? Uh, I mean, we started our first couple, uh, like services. I mean, it was, it was pretty bare bones. It was like eight, 10 people. And we were packing a team of like 12 people. Mm. So we'd drive from here in Spokane an hour and a half, one way out to the reservation, in a 15 passenger van with a trailer full of food and basically everything to set up a full bore like catering service. So we go out there and set everything up, and, you know, take all those people out. But I think our biggest night we had was like 63 or 64 people. And then we kind of held steady at like 50 for quite a while. And we were gaining pretty good movement. And then the shutdown happened mm -hmm. all the COVID and everything. And the Spokane res got hit probably three, four different waves of it. Like they were just, stand up and kick you right back down. But, you know, a lot of them looked at it as like, hey, man, these are my, this is the way our whole life's been. All of our generations, we've been kicked down and pushed to the side. Like, you know, this ain't nothing new. But uh, so, you know, the governor and all the government, whatever, put in all their procedures and everything in place. And then, you know, the, the Indian government goes above that. So, you know, they'll take everything that white man's doing and then they'll kind of, they'll enhance it a little bit more. Okay. So they put a little more protection on their people in the reservation to the point where it got so bad out there. Um, we were actually just a couple of miles outside of that safe travel zone where they were, you know, kind of requiring people to quarantine before they went to the reservation. Oh, So it never got bad enough to where they shut down like the points of access to the reservation, but it was getting to that point. Okay. So we were pretty much told, because the tribe, we had a good relationship with them. They were providing their youth building out there to us, like rent-free and everything, just for what we were doing. And um, But then they put rules in place where nobody outside of, like, tribal 
worker preference stuff. So if you were part of Spokane tribe or whatever, like you could have, if you were an employee, like your children could have access to that building, but nobody else could go in there. Did that affect your team? Yeah. So we, we ended up losing like our whole team through the whole situation and everything. And then like kind of, kind of through the whole, you know, just wrestling cycle of it. Like two months ago, we actually called it a quits on that. So out on the reservation, but I think probably within the next year or so, we'll probably start something up here in town. Okay. So we'll probably be out of the, the Shadle location where we go to church at Spokane first. So Okay. But, you know, I mean, it's crazy to think that just in the Shadle neighborhood, whatever that zip code is up there, kind of by the Shadle High School, is like one of the most food insecure zip codes in the nation. Wow. Yeah, like in the nation? Wow. Like, you know, when I first heard that, I was thinking like, you know, like, oh, in Spokane or, like, Washington. Because it's like, you know, we can go places and we think, like, man, this is poverty, you know, or whatever. But, you know, that particular zip code is a very food insecure area. And I don't know if it's just the dense population of, you know, say, single family or single single parent households or, you know, amount of kids to parent or, you know, however they calculate all that stuff. Mm. But So I think that that's where God's leading us now is to do something here. But... You know, the Indian people are always close to my heart, you know. I mean, reservation would always be my first option, but logistically with the tribe saying, you know, we can't be out there, you know, realistically, we just can't be out there. And that, and <laughs> you know, we go out there around. and personally, you know, talk to people and stuff, but, you know, it's, which, you know, some people look at all the restrictions, yeah, it was BS, you know, across the board. <laughs> but, you know, when the natives... You know, they say they did all these studies and everything saying that it hit, you know, those people groups, the ethnic side of stuff way harder than it did the white man or stuff like that, which, you know, we've seen those waves out there. And, and it did. It got to a point where for, you know, a while, once we got shut down and we couldn't hold our services, then we began, like, we took a couple weeks off and just kind of hit the drawing board and like, you know, how can we still, you know, help in this time or whatever? So we decided, like, we're going to do dinner kits. So once a week, you know, we still went out on Sundays. Um, we'd have three or four people, usually my family, my wife, my daughters, and, you know, a couple other people, the few teammates that we still had. Um, I'd usually cook all the food or if it needed cooked, or I'd put all the ingredients in a bag that would feed a family of four to six. So, I mean, we did huckleberry rub like chicken and you know, potatoes and we did steaks and, you know, I mean, it was, it was everything in that bag right down to like, you know, kids melts from school. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you were know, working like, with second harvest. Yeah, we were, cause I actually, I was still doing the food bank out there too. So that was our okay. first kind of entrance out there is there was a pastor that was leaving and the food bank, nobody wanted to step up and take over it. So I figured, Hey, this is a way to kind of, you know, meet the community in a different manner than mm-hmm. just the church side of it. So, And in any community, a food bank is always yes. needed. Yes. And it's never fully stocked. Yeah. And, you, you know, it amazes me because, you know, I mean, we look at natives and we think, you know, living off the land and the gardening and the cooking and just, you know, all that, you know, what we would call domestic skills or whatever. Like, it amazed me how many of them, like, didn't know how to prepare certain things. Mm. Like, you know, I'd take out, you know, 100 pounds of sweet potatoes, and how do we cook these? I'm like, 
what you talking about? How do we cook these? You know, and it's a potato. <laughs> is that not passed down? Is that why it's, it's like it, that? It could be. Yeah. Or some of them, you know, in their adolescence just don't want to listen to auntie or grandma or anything, or, you know, they've moved around from house to house to house. Cause you know, I mean, out there at any given time, there could be three, four generations living in one house. That's like a third of the size that they need. But you know, I mean, to the outside, they seem happy, but you know, it was just, it was, it, it was, odd to me. So, you know, I, I found that the more that I gave my culinary advice to them, which, you know, I mean, I'm no, no master chef by any means, but you know, I I can hold it down. And, you know, just the more we talked with them and built that relationship with them, you know, I'd get, you know, return, return stuff a couple weeks later. Next time I went out there to do the food bank, they're like, Hey man, yeah, I cooked that the way you told me to. And I was like, man, it was so good. Thanks for that info or, you know, the advice or, what have you, but it's like, did nobody ever take the time to like, you know, anybody, even the other people that run in the food bank? I mean, was it just like process? Like, here's your food, take your food, you know? What so, about a food class? Or uh, like you have like a, what is that? It, you do like a, like a uh, cooking show like cooking, almost. Yeah. They show up and then you're out there actually cooking the food in front yeah, of them. So, I mean, I could do that like, you know, with our own personal food, but the relationship that we had with second harvest, like they have different levels. You have to kind of go through some training and some classes to like have the accolades or whatever you want to call it to be able to do certain things. So me, I was just a provider, you know, like a, a food bank. Uh, I don't know what they called me, like just the head of it or whatever. But, um, they, uh, there's that. And then you can actually like take the classes or whatever and show paperwork and all this stuff. And you can actually open up like a soup kitchen. Okay. So the difference was they were kind of, they were kind of weird about it in the beginning, trying to tell me like, yo, you can't use any of this food from the food bank for your meals that you do on Sundays. So I was just like, well, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, you can't take, you know, hundred pounds of potatoes for the food bank and then, you know, keep 10 pounds or 20 pounds for your meal on Sunday. Okay. It just has to go to the community. Okay. However, if you've got that weird little class or whatever you got to do through second harvest to do all that, then you could take it to that next level and actually hold those classes or okay. prepare the food. For okay. Them. Cause they, I mean, it was even to the level where it was like, you know, I had, I had said a couple of times, like, I had good relationships with the people in the warehouse too. I'd be like, you know, yeah, man, I took some of those out and threw them on the counter or whatever. Just let people sample it. And they're just kind of like looking at me like, Oh, you did what? And I'm just like, Oh, I'm not supposed to do that. And they're just like, oh, just, you know, don't talk. There's, about there's a gray so, area there. So they're, you know? And I was like, okay, I got you. But they're like, you know, we understand where you're at, what you're doing stuff like that. So, you know, whatever kind of help you can do, I guess is okay. okay. But you know, they just didn't want it to where it was like, you know, I was keeping the food for my family and mm-hmm. trying to feed everybody else besides the community. But, yep. you know, which, I mean, we had money for our budget for, you know, meals and all that stuff anyway. But, you know, so going back to those meal kits and stuff like, you know, that was that that was good relationship because we met a lot more people that, you know, I mean, we just started. They've got cul-de-sacs out there in the Indian housing where, you know, there's. 30 houses in one little, you know, two block radius or something like that. So we'd park at the end of one cul-de-sac and we'd all jump out with bags and just go knock on doors. If you're not home and you don't, funny thing is a lot of them have coolers just sitting on their porch Oh, and every cooler, I mean, there was beers and probably, you know, three out of the five <laughs> coolers you'd open up. They were always offering beers okay. to us like, Hey, you need something to drink or, you know, whatever. And <laughs> like, oh, I don't care who you are. You know, you can have a beer. And, 
but you know, we always like, no, we're good. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So unless we were let known that, you know, they had a cooler or they'd be out of town that Sunday, you know, we'd be able to throw it in their cooler for them so they could still get it. So they didn't miss out. Gotcha. Because truth be told, like sometimes that was the only full meal a whole family would have in one of those homes. You know, I mean, you got your few Indians out there that have jobs and stuff, but you know, there's a lot of them that just rely solely on food bank and tribal help. And that's, that's a lot of tribes. Yes. Yes. That's, that's pretty much nationwide, but you know, taking all that out there and doing that and just getting the feedback we got too, was just, you know, there was like, you know, I mean, just right down to like two tablespoons of butter. I mean, like I said, every ingredient was in that bag. <laughs> so it's, you're like a, a local hello fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so we roll out there. And I think we were at the end of that particular season when we were doing that, I think we were up to close to like 50 meals a day or, you know, a weekend that we would take out there. So, you know, and the crazy thing is, is we were putting those meals together for about a third of the price that we were putting into our dinner services. Mm. But, you know, it's... Is that better? Yeah. I mean, you know, budget-wise or whatever, if you're trying to make stuff stretch, but, you know, I like to do the dinner service where everything's... Yeah. You know, it's fine Well, it's easier (laughs) for you to get your message out to a bunch of people than it is for you to go this person, yep. next house, this person, yep. next house, yep. this person. Because then we got into the position where, like, you know, there'd be some people working down at uh, the gals that worked at the Two Rivers uh, gas station down there. Um, one of our team members, he'd drive home that way every night or whatever, and sometimes we'd cut the back way through, like, seven mile or nine mile or whatever, and he'd drop off bags to the gals down there for the meals. And so there was a couple of people in the neighborhood that are just like, yo, like, how do we get those bags? Like, you know, my, my cousin that works down at the gas stations getting them. So where do you live? You know, they're like, oh, you know, up there on the mountain, take the left, go around that tree, you know, just past the pond and we'll be the third pole on the right. That's just like driving around in this backwoods now. <laughs> Here's your bag of food. <laughs> so, you know, we, we definitely got stretched and, you know, but it, it was good. There was never a time where we just went home feeling defeated, like, man, did we do anything? You know, it was just like every night, every, anytime we were out there, God showed up, you know, he was working in people's lives and, you know, I still believe that he's still working in their lives out there. And, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just seasons in people's lives that people are in them just, you know, to get them rolling. And now there's actually a pastor that's out there that is taking over the Fruitland Bible camp as well. So he's preaching out there in West End too. So. Okay. And he was actually the director of the adult teen challenge for quite a few years. So you think he'll be able to get back th- out there again? Uh, I think we could probably get out there and do something at some point, maybe, you know, once a month type thing or something like that. But Cause I, I think, like that idea. I like that, you know, that dinner and a movie type atmosphere, yeah, but yeah. it's, it's you there giving yep. a message. Yep. Cause I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, we'd have families show up and they'd all, they'd all sit by each other. But then we'd have team members that, you know, if you're sitting by yourself or you're not engaging, you're not doing what you're called to do tonight. You know, like you weren't called to ride in the van up here and sit in the corner and eat by yourself. You know, we're we're trying to, you know, build relationship around the table. And, you know, we had some huge breakthrough in the community from like high schoolers that we'd take out there with us. You know, somehow they'd go sit down and they'd talk to like some of the elders that just wouldn't talk to anybody. They'd just come in, they'd get their food. They'd sit there and eat. Sometimes they'd stay for the message. Sometimes they wouldn't, you know, like I said, there was no strings attached. So, you know, if you wanted to show up drunk, like hi, whatever, like we're not going to refuse you. 
<laughs> you're still listening. Yeah. You know, you might be a little more alert or a little bit more <laughs> sensitive to what, you know, is going on that night, but you know, we'd never refuse anybody okay. where, you know, I've been in situations at, you know, large box churches where homeless guy across the street that was digging in the garbage can that morning on our way in, you know, he tries to walk in and get a cup of coffee and come into the sanctuary or something. And, you know, pretty soon there's three or four people like trying to push him out. <laughs> you know, so is that what Jesus would do? Yeah. But, and, and it's funny that you say that because as, as you were talking about the, you know, what you were doing before with the dinner, I had that thought because there was a, I don't, there was a church service that I saw that it was a, the pastor stinky, just, yeah. you know, dirt all over him, smelled bad. I think he poured a couple beers on himself and then tried walking through the doors oh, the and they walked down the center aisle or whatever. Right? Yep. Yeah, After they ago, had actually cycle. let him in yeah. and then he just walked up to the front, took off the clothes and it was the pastor. And he said, this is a lesson to you guys of not, of Jesus opened the door for everybody, not just who you want to have come in. Yep. And that was a good example. So it's funny that you say that because I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, and it is. And I mean, we, we had those experiences too. And I mean, there were, there were nights that the Holy Spirit was so thick in there. It was like, you know, you're down South and the humidity, it was so thick. Like you couldn't look at anybody and there was a dry eye in the building. It's like not any, nobody's even said a word tonight. You know, it was just, it was that thick and hearts were that heavy. Like You ever been to a Southern Baptist church? <laughs> no, I haven't. So I've, I've been to one when I was down in California and you walk in and it was, it wasn't all black, you yeah. know, like you would in a, in yeah. a Southern church. There was maybe 70% and then the re- the rest were white. Um, but it was, it was, you know, the old ladies up there praised, you know, the hands are oh, up yeah. and it's, they're singing and they're into it. Yep. It was, it was an awesome experience yeah. for sure. Yeah. Real Vantage Real Estate Company, 912 West Garland Avenue. Check out Josh McDonald and Lauren Rasmussen. They're a family first, local and collaborative real estate company on the mission to help improve our communities and help people one home at a time. Their focus is to provide real estate. Yes, provide, not just buy and sell. Together, they present folks with every option they have for their specific situation. In addition to helping provide more homes and more quality rentals in our low inventory markets. They're in Spokane, Spokane Valley, and the Tri-City areas. Check them out at realvantage.com or stop in today. I mean, it's good. I, I love watching just genuine movements of the Holy Spirit, going to like men's conferences and stuff like that. There's something very powerful about 1,200 men in a building just arms raised praising. You know, it's, it's mind-blowing when you really think about it because, you know, then we got to go home and deal with all of our obstacles at home where we can come home, we're on fire for a week, and then it's just like everything just piles back up on us, and it's like, Man, what was that? What was that self mm-hmm. that self weekend that you know yep. we felt like we made so much progress and then get home. So it is, you know, I mean, it's important to have accountability people and stuff like that just to check in and you know make sure everything's cool. But you know, I find that there's a lot of flaws within leadership that you know you might preach that a lot, but there's not a lot of follow percent show yep. follow through in it. And, and that was like our church back home. We had a, we had a pastor who he was making sure that you were doing what you needed to do on your path. Yep. And his path was 
very cloudy. It was very, there was stuff jumping out in front of him all yeah. the time. And yeah. that ultimately is what got him booted out from the church yep. because he wasn't leading by example. Yeah. He was, t- he was talking the right words, but yep. he wasn't living the right yep. life. So yep. Yep. happens too often. I mean, yeah. <laughs> most Christians are the reason why new believers or people that are drawn to the church don't want to come back. Exactly. You know, I mean, we, we do ourselves no justice in that manner. Yeah. Well, it's easier to point fingers and it's yep. easier to tell and yep. it's easier to, you know, lead with your mouth, not by your actions. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Um, I want to talk about fishing. <laughs> I want to know, I want fishing to know what, up. how have you been doing, man? Well, I haven't fished for a couple of weeks and I was kind of thinking about taking the daughter out tomorrow, but Man, this last winter, it was it was my first winter that I really, like, just dedicated, you know, Fridays and Saturdays to fishing. I went out with one of my buddies out to the Fort Spokane area, and, I mean, it was on. Like, what are I'm we reeling in? 18 to 22-inch triploid trout out there. And then the, the tribes are actually doing a, a steelhead triploid hybrid, and you can definitely tell the difference between your standard triploid trout to those steelhead triploid hybrids, because when you cut them, that meat, I mean, you couldn't tell the difference between, like, a coho or, you know, some some top-shelf-style salmon. Okay. So many people that I, you know, gave that fish to, because my buddy and I, I think, collectively caught just over 200 fish from October to first weekend in March. Wow. First weekend in March, that bite turned off. It was just... Went out three weeks in a row and got skunked. Okay. And I was just like, man, what am I, we're chasing fish. Like, couldn't even get bites. Like, wow. it was crazy. But that was when they were kind of playing with the levels of the river and all that stuff. But, yeah, out there's hot. I got a buddy that lives down in Longview. Got a really nice, like, guide boat. He actually he just sent me some pictures today of uh, coho he caught. Lost a couple Chinook. He was actually out in the ocean. Mm. But down south right now, buoy 10 the big thing that just opened. Or it's just a certain fishery area so it's like i think it's chinook and coho but i think they have to be hatchery down there okay or something to keep but yeah i guess i mean a lot of the fishing pages i follow man people are slaying the salmon down there right now but my salmon i usually don't fish until september for those and that's usually at wanapum right out there in vantage okay yeah personal best on that's a 28 pound chinook at this point but it's a good size fish right there i love it i don't know there's just something about you know I love it when my pole bends over for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. It's uh, that. I mean, I've, I've tried my run at Sturgeon this year. Went down went down south to Longview with my buddy. Um, my goddaughter, which is his daughter, actually, she reeled in. Uh, had to have been. It was over 63 inches because I think his tape measure only went to like 60. Okay. And there was like three inches of just blank tape on the end of it. And he's like, yeah, it's bigger than 63. So down there. We were basically, I think we were about a mile and a half from the Astoria Bridge. And, you know, the tide still plays games there, so incoming and outgoing. And we were only fishing in two foot of water. Oh. And, you know, these giant dinosaur sturgeon fish just swimming on down there on the sandbars or whatever, eating all the eating all the food that, you know, the tide brings in and takes back out. But, uh, yeah, it, it amazed me to watch such a young female reel in such an old dinosaur fish and like be a champ about it just 
that fish ran twice over 300 feet. Like okay. Line counter. It was, I mean, it was down to the spool almost the knot. Oh, we're all on the boat like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's going to rip her and the pole in. Like, and we, then it turn comes the motor out, on. We got to go then, that way. Then, then it comes out of the water. And it was just like, oh, did that really just come out of the water? Because they had weird fishing rules down there. It was like Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday you could fish for sturgeon. Okay. And... I think the slot size was 44 to 50 inches. Mm. So you only got a six inch window for a keeper. Okay. Um, so we went out, that was a Wednesday. I went out, I went down there for a week and then we went back out. I went out Wednesday. Yeah. And then we went back out Saturday and another old buddy from high school came out with us and he ended up catching a keeper. His was 49 and a half inches. Oh, so just. <laughs> another half inch. And we would have had to put that one back yep, in. So yep. I actually got to take some of that home. He gave me a couple chunks off of that. And if you haven't had sturgeon, man, sturgeon, some good fish. It's really good for fish tacos. I think I had it. I think I had like a bad, that. a bad cook. Cause they yeah. say like catfish, you've got to have know how to cook catfish. Otherwise, you taste mud. Well, yeah. And I've, I've, I tasted mud. And then in the processing of those sturgeon, too, like, they don't have no bones. So, it's just like a, they got like a spinal cord protected by a bunch of cartilage. And just kind of like their rib structure, because they're bottom feeders. So, they mm-hmm. just sit on the bottom. And their only protection is their, they call them scoots. I guess the best way for people that don't know what those are, have never seen a sturgeon. They're kind of like the tips of a pine cone, how they're kind of like that pointy and kind of sharp. Well, they're kind of like that, but, you know, the size of a pine cone okay. and, like, razor sharp. So, I mean, you could really cut yourself up if you're not handling these fish properly. They say with those, you're supposed to obviously bleed them out, and then there's, like, this weird, like, purple fat layer. So if you don't clean everything off, that purple fat will definitely give you the the dirty fish taste. Okay. You know, they say if you don't get that off of there properly and then you're supposed to at least refrigerate it for up to 48 hours before actually eating it. Okay. Because they're just they're all muscle and you know, after them going through, you know, upwards of, you know, maybe 4 or 5 6 hour fight, like, you know, those muscles are so tense and everything that through the bleed out process, through the refrigeration and all that, it kind of relaxes everything so the meat's not so Okay. Where did whatever. your friends go? Oh, just down, just down the Clarkston. Oh, okay, mm, okay. Yeah. That's where I'm from. I'm from Clarkston, so we got the steelhead. We yep. got sturgeon in there. Yep. I don't know what the numbers are of sturgeon anymore. I know That's, the dam counts them all, all that, all that stuff. But I yeah. don't, I don't. I think the numbers are down of what they allow through. Yeah, right now for us up here in the north, northeast area, I guess up Upper Columbia section. Um, what did that just opened? I think it was first of July or June twelfth. June, yeah, to September. But you know, they're actually just now finally starting to retain keepers, like out in the Kettle Falls area. Oh, so that's where most of the people go because you know they're making still, it that far up. Yeah, we stretch all the way up to the China Bend boat launch, okay, or like the China Bend area way up there. And then I think after September or starting September first is when everything north of China Bend opens. So, I mean, you know, those fish are all the way up into Canada. Oh, wow. But I've been out there two or three times this year. So this is my first year I've ever sturgeon fished. So, you know, I went out with my one buddy. We caught two down there. My other buddy I went with up here, like, I've seen pictures. I've seen his freezer. I've seen all all the sturgeon he's caught. But, yeah, the bite's just been... 
like hit and miss up there and everybody's just catching giants is what it sounds like. He just, the other day he, he landed a hundred plus incher. Like it wow. was huge. Wow. And then his wife ended up catching a keeper. I think it was 58 because up here the retention size is like 50 to 64, I think, or something like, so no 50 to 63. Okay. So it's a 13 inch window for keepers up here. But, okay. You know, and that's where everybody's going. They're going up there. Marcus flats, I guess is actually probably the area where people are catching the most okay. keepers at, but I think it's a little shallower up there. Cause it's like, it's well, a the completely, old road runs right through that Marcus flats area. Yeah. It's a completely different game up here on the upper Columbia than the lower Columbia. Cause down there, I mean, you could be fishing, you know, like I said, we were fishing in two foot of water down there for these sturgeon up here you're trying to anchor in 160 foot of water yeah, yeah. with the current of the Columbia running and everything else. So if you're out there on a decent weather day, like it's, it's not too hard to hold anchor and, you know, play that bottom sit game. But what I've learned with the sturgeon is it's like, you know, if, if you ain't getting no action, you ain't marking no fish within 45 minutes, you'll pull anchor and move. Okay. Like it's just a moving game trying to find them. But once you find them, I mean, you know, it's bites game on. on. Yeah. It's bite on. So but, yeah, that, I still haven't caught a steelhead yet either. Like, really tried that over the last couple of years. But, you know, living up here, we really don't, you know, you got to drive at least an hour and a half, two hours yep. anywhere to steelhead fish. Well, we'll head down for the derby. And yeah. they canceled it last year, so really? we didn't get to go down. And then the year before, uh, so two years ago, the run wasn't good. Yeah. They, so they, they they canceled the derby again, yeah. but they're they're predicting good numbers for this year. Yeah. So probably the two years off has kind of allowed that number to grow. Yeah, I think so last week I seen there was like almost three hundred Chinook running over the Bonneville every day. Mm. So yeah. When I went down I went down to Longview, spent my birthday week, which my birthday's August thirtieth, but went and spent the week prior to that down in Longview last year and tried sturgeon and all that kind of stuff, but just couldn't get on it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna look Steel to see when the like crazy as well, and just couldn't get anything to land. And my buddy, I was like, yo, without seeing all this fish in your freezer and pictures, I'd, I'd think like you were lying. They're like, there ain't no fish around here. <laughs> so this derby, let me see if I'm reading this right. No, that's 2019. Why wouldn't they just give you? Okay, let me redo the search here. 2021. Hmm. I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> nah, it's bringing up old dates. Yeah, the fishing regs and stuff like that online are like all wonky this year. Snake River Steelhead Derby called off, perhaps permanently. What? Snake River Chinook. That was off the spokesman. Review, late last month, the Idaho Fish and Game Commission closed steelhead fishing in Clearwater Basin and on the snake between uh, Salmon and Riggins, Idaho. Huh. That's crazy, the cancellation when we were gone this year. Hmm. And it's I know it's November because I think it's right before Thanksgiving, actually. Mm. So my dad, my dad... Uh, this was, I had to have been in junior high, maybe high school, but I think junior high. Um, 
I got a picture of him. So anyway, so he went he went fishing, and it was a small year. Though the he caught a nineteen and a half pounder. Nice. That was I mean it 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 fights it moves the boat. Yeah. For the derby, the next day he goes out again, catches a twenty and a half and a twenty one and a half, which would have won the derby. <laughs> He's like, he's like, what is this? And then you got some. It's fishing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not called catching. It's called fishing. Yep, yep. That's for sure. So no, these were two monster fish, and I'll, I've, I've got a picture of me holding them, but I don't. I'll have to send it to you. But if they have it open, I'll let you know. We'll, we'll head down. We tried doing it, um, I think five or six years ago. Me and my best friend Brooks, my old college roommate, and then I think Bernsey was with us too, but we went up. You know, took the jet boat all the way up, oh, but yeah. the water was flowing way too fast. We'd so throw those jet boats, in. man. Those damn things, they can. It's yep. amazing where some of those can get on. Well, rivers. I'm going to be doing a podcast with Bryce Barnes. Mm. Um, he does a show on um, Prime Video called Extreme Something. Okay. Um, but he shows his his takes his jet boat up and he gives uh, moves product and and stuff that the the communities need up there oh, like okay. propane tanks yeah, they yeah. moves horses and all that stuff hmm. and so his jet boat is special rigged to be the size that it is but mm-hmm. you've got to know the water you've yeah. got to know where the brakes are you got to know yep. where the rocks are at and how to move move through and that water will eat up a boat if you do not know <laughs> what you're doing yes, yeah that's for sure well, and it's not where you crash. It's yeah. where the water takes it. I mean, yeah. you might be miles down the river before yeah. pulling it out of the water. Yep. If you can even find it. I yeah. mean, that, that water is just crazy. Yep. So so um, hopefully it can do that in a couple weeks when we go down for the Colt Ford concert. Yeah. Nice. So, so I went out to the fun. Ice Cube concert a couple weeks. What was that, last week? Yeah, last weekend? Two, weeks, yeah, two weekends two weekends ago. ago. Yeah, How was that? That was good. Yeah? yeah? I'm old school 90s rap guy, like... See an ice cube for the first time now. What he's probably what mid fifties at this point now. Oh yeah. And then he brought his homie, you know, Dub C from the West Side Connection and Young MC. Like that dude ain't young no more. No, oh god, no. But I tell you what, he, he was could, young. He, he was young when we were in junior high. <laughs> he, he could still keep a crowd though. I, I was pretty <laughs> impressed. You know, the three old school rappers they they kept it rolling pretty good. But you can tell Cube's all about the he's all about the show now. Like okay. You know, he's like he said, man, he's like, man, I've been doing this for 30 years, you know, 30 years plus. And like, man, most of you weren't even born in my heyday. <laughs> but it was funny. I was I was pretty entertained by people watching out there because, you know, I mean, everybody just wants to have a big, long beard and some other kind of like hairstyle outside of what you would think you would see at a rap concert. But I looked out and looked like everybody was waiting for a metal show. It was just a bunch of black shirts. You're handing out business cards. <laughs> Here I am. I'm standing <laughs> in the back in my Cortez's and an Atlanta Braves jersey. And everybody's just like, man, what's up with them shoes? Like, dude. Ice Cube is Cortez tennis shoes. Like, come on. <laughs> if you don't know that those are like his staple tennis shoe, like, dude, you should go home. Go, go, go catch the country concert. It was, it was good just being around other people in that capacity. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that was the first show I've been to in a long time because I spent many years just local rock scene and stuff, going to concerts and stuff like that. So it was good to get out to a show. We'll be at, we'll be at Brantley Gilbert in two weeks. So that'll be fun. Colt Ford the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Aldean in September. Mm, that'll be a good one. And then uh, Theory of a Dead Man in December. Oh, that'll be a good one. Yeah, that's that one. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. it's at the uh, Knitting, Knitting Factory. Mm. So, and I love. I've seen. I've seen uh, Theory of a Dead Man 
four times. I've seen Stains out on tour again. Yep. The corn this year. I was like, oh. so so theory of a dead man. You remember when Garth Brooks was here? So I bought I bought Garth Brooks tickets. Mm-hmm. Took took my daughter Bailey, and another friend of mine had come over from Moses Lake. Well, it was his birthday that night too, and he liked Theory of a Dead Man. So my birthday gift to him was buying the Theory of a Dead Man tickets. Yeah. Theory of a Dead Man puts on a great show, amazing show. They're in it, they're rocking, except for when you watch Garth Brooks before <laughs> them. Still a good show, but yeah, it just, yeah. Garth puts on a show. Man. You know, still to this day, people laugh so hard when I tell them this, but like, you know, I mean, obviously just questions like, oh man, what's the best show you ever been to? Oh, you know, like honestly, like early 2000s, in sync, no strings attached, Tacoma Dome. Yeah. By far the best stage performance. Like that was the epitome of just a, just a, a well-orchestrated show. Like, man, those, my buddy, I was actually, I was at uh, Glendale Academy for cosmetology and we were renting a, I don't remember, I think we were living in a trailer together out in Mead and he's like, yo, bro, can you get out of school today? And I'll, I could try. I was like, why? What's up? He's like, oh, you want to go to Tacoma with me? Because he, he worked for 93 Zoo FM, so he did a lot of the promotion stuff. And I was like, yeah, let me give you a call back here in a couple of minutes. He's like, well, bro, you got to be here in like 15 minutes if you can do this. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So I made up some story and cut out of school and show up. And I was like, so what are we doing? And he's just like, see that bus right there? He's like, see that line of women and all those little girls? He's like, yeah, party bus to NSYNC in Tacoma. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? Like, we are the only two guys besides the male bus driver. Like, we are the only three male bodies on this bus going to Tacoma to go see NSYNC. And Pink actually opened up the show for them. And that oh, really? was like that was like one of her first like tours actually. So that was back when Pink still had pink hair and okay. was like known for pink. But I thought that was pretty cool too. But when those dudes came out, when those lights hit and they were dropping from the ceilings, because you know, that was their puppet whatever that show, the no strings attached, they were dropping from the ceiling to the floor and Timberlake's doing his thing or whatever. You couldn't even hear the Base in that dome for like the first 15 minutes of the show because it was just screams and crying and I love <laughs> yous and like Wah! just women losing their everything at this show it was then as the show progressed or whatever but yeah it was it was by far the best show I think I've ever been to in my life we took a we took a party bus from Kalispell Montana to Spokane to watch Jason Aldean Rascal Flats mm. I think I was the youngest on the bus <laughs> I thought I was on the wrong bus, but it was a bunch of older people. And so they were in bed on the way back, and I'm I'm raring to now go. Ready I'm to ready party. to freaking party. <laughs> I slept all and the way there. No, 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 no. We're we're gonna take a nap. It's night night time. My God, this sucks. Yep. That's the way it goes. So what do you got coming up? What, what let me ask you this. You got your shop. You wanna grow? You wanna expand? What do you want to do? No, I think like, honestly, man, I, th- I think my haircut like is a full-time gig career. Like it just might be coming to a close with my shoulder situation and stuff like that. Like I'm kind of emotionally spent just, you know, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, with the COVID and just the, the, the surface people and, you know, it's just, you know, the money's good. Like, you know, I really, I kind of control my, my cash flow and stuff and client flow, but you know, I just don't, I, I look at it from like an age perspective and like being 41 or turning 41 at the end of the month and just thinking about my future. Like, dude, I don't think I could be like 60, 70 years old, still standing behind a chair. Cause you know, I, I ain't got no, 
ain't got no brains of saving money or nothing like that. So you know, I, I live dollar to dollar. You need a, you need <laughs> you know, a quartet. You in know, there. you know, my wife's good at saving, but you know, I, I can't <laughs> seem to do it, but you know, it's, it's kind of one of those, I, I mean, I can't take it with me, but you know, at the same time, I mean, I've worked for myself for so long thinking about working for somebody else, like, kind of blows my mind and thinks like, man, I don't know if I could do that, but I work very well under structure as well. And just kind of more thinking about, you know, that, that longevity of, you know, a savings or a 401k or something that, you know, my wife doesn't have it either. Cause we're both self-employed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that is one of the downfalls. Of, yeah. It's just kind of thinking about, you know, future and that, and just the physicality of cutting hair I mean, a lot of people look at it and be like, Rose, all you do is stand behind a chair all day. And it's like, no, I mean, you know, my emotional investment, the physical side of it, standing on your feet isn't, you know, it's not the best, you know. People probably look at your job as a truck driver, like, Rose, all you do is drive. Like, oh, no, there's (laughs) there's way more mentals that go into that and just physical bouncing in the truck and everything else. I mean, my stepdad's a a logger and still drives truck and stuff like that. And I see what it's done to him over the years just driving. But – you know, standing behind the chair, being a slave to people is, I mean, it, I, I go through my, my, my feelings of it. Like, you know, there's times where I'm just like, you know what, dude, everybody could just, <laughs> yeah, like everybody could just <laughs> die and I would be very happy. But then it's like, I always have that one or two clients, you know, I'll, I'll go into the shop and it'll just be like that one or two. That's just like, you know, bro, you'd have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. And those are too few and far between okay. to be honest, but you know, that's just for the, you know, 25, 30 clients that actually pay attention to me or even care, you know, that we have more of a relationship and, you know, it's, I'm already, you know, I made a post on Facebook about my shoulder issue and stuff like that. And I've already got people like, what's up with my appointment next week? Like, are you going to be able to cut my hair next week? Like, like I said, you know, I mean, I'm still kind of sore. I'm not really sure what this is going to lead into, you know, cause it is kind of a mental game as well like you know i mean this is all i've known for the last you know 12 years 11 years since i've had my shop open or whatever you know being my own boss but you know i just think you know from a a physical perspective you know i gotta think more about you know being able to go play ball with my grandson you know because chances are if i gotta have you know a full shoulder rehaul you know you know 15 years down the road cutting hair still end up in the same spot or something, you yeah. know, and just make sure they put a grease shirt in the yeah. front and the top. And you can just <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Lake city spa right in the heart of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Call, text or message Casey Boyle today for your one-on-one spa service. Choose between a membership rate or a daily special, and you'll get the best microdermabrasion, high-frequency, and microcurrent facials in Coeur d'Alene. Just imagine a full hour of relaxing and beneficial facials for just $45. If you have skin issues or care to be pampered by a professional, contact Casey today, 208-215-6912. But, you know, I mean, as far as expanding, I mean, you know. Well, I guess if you don't know what you're going to be doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Blade's Room isn't a place where, you know, I can just open up the doors and be like, hey, you know, come one, come all. We got more stylists because, you know, truth of the matter is people come to our shop to see my wife. They come to the shop to see Victoria. They come to the shop to see me. You. You know, it's not like, 
you know, if you walked in and I wasn't there or something like that because it's my day off, you're going to be like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm letting hey, Tommy over how here. How you doing? Hair. No, yeah, like, no. no, that's not no. how it is, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I would, I would like to maybe have a shop where I could help other people get on their feet and kind of get rolling because I think there's just too many people that don't have the patience, you know, we'll say with coworkers or, you know, people leasing stations from you or stuff like that because – no, I mean, I had to run around with a guy that was in the shop and there was just some some technicalities through the state level, you know, like insurances, licensing and stuff like that, that, you know, he didn't have. So, you know, the state's coming at me saying, you know, if he doesn't get this, we're going to shut you down. So, you know, ultimately we had to let him go, mm-hmm. which, you know, everybody had their own opinions on what happened there and their own thoughts. But, you know, truth of the matter is. You know, there's a few things that he didn't have in place and, you know, it didn't mean anything, have anything to do with our relationship. And I just wanted to help the dude out, you know, I mean. The state's not going to let you practice if you don't have the right paperwork. Yep. So, you know, had to cut. And that's for any business. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You could be selling shoes. Yeah. But, you know, to me, I mean, it's been hard for me to just like raise prices because, you know, I mean, I know the financial state that almost all my people are in Mm -hmm. and. You know, when I look at it, when I'm like, you know, Supercuts is basically charging the same of what I was charging a couple of years ago. Like, I can't have that, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. with the quality that, you know, people say that they, they get coming out of my shop. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I can't. Well, with, with you, I'd go in there. I'd be like, I just, I need a quick beard trim, beard yeah. trim. And it it's not a quick beard trim because you're very precise. You're very... <laughs> calculating on how you're cutting it and it flows. And I'm like, man, I gotta get, I gotta get going. And you're only halfway done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's not, yep. you don't go in there wanting something yep. done quick because you, you are a perfectionist one, but also you want your customer to go out with, with a yeah. good, with a yep. good cut. So, yeah. I mean, most first time clients in the chair or whatever, you know, I mean, the conversation will be like, yo, I don't know how you are about appointments, but you'll have one shot. If you burn me, like, you know, good luck sitting outside the shop waiting for an appointment to open because yep. I'm not going to play that game with most of the people anymore. But, um, you know, most of the time, first time in the shop, like, you know, you want your ear hair cut up, you know, your brows, all that. And they're like, man, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you know, them big-ass things that are Lisa hanging into your eyes? Like, yeah, you know, you trim those down a little bit. And I was like, how about this? We'll trim your brows down. You tell me what your girl thinks next time you come back in. And he's just like. And they're hooked, you know, because <laughs> then it's almost like the ladies will be like, hey, can he get in for an appointment? <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> every, 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 what am I? Every three months, four months? So, yeah, yeah. You're... About that. COVID, I was waiting. I'm like, Randy, it's getting long. <laughs> it's getting long. Yep. Just waiting. So <laughs> I appreciate you coming in, man. Anything? How do we, how can we find you? How, what do you want to promote? Um, Instagram, Facebook. Tinder, what do you got? <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. Isn't, wait a isn't second. that what you use to that start one, a fire? That would almost switch. <laughs> oh, that's what, yeah, I'm like, I know I hear people talk about that. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, really, you can just be like, yeah, let's hook up at Taco Bell? Like, Taco what, Bell, what? what? The hell is that kind of stuff? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> if you got to search that hard, like, you, you got something going on in your life that you need to address, but, you know, whatever. Um I don't know, man. You know, I just say to my clients that might listen to this, you know, just hang in there with me. You know, don't don't be a dick about it. Like, <laughs> you know, be patient. Think about yourself in this moment when, you know, like how do you how do you heal from injuries, stuff like that. But you know, I mean, I'll give anybody a shot in the chair once, but just don't burn me on it. You know, yeah. Blades Room is where you can find me. That's my my Instagram. Um, 
social or Facebook wise, I never really touched that page unless it's something important. I think the last thing we even talked about on the page was the COVID stuff. So that's just one of those pages. I feel like I'll delete at some point because it's just filling up social media platform that somebody else could take, but that, and then I am somewhat of a part of my buddy's uh, YouTube fishing channel thing. It's 21 six fishing. So it's the numeral 21 and then spell out six fishing, but yeah, there's some videos of us on there fishing, him fishing, tutorials, walkthroughs on his boat. But, you know, he doesn't really want to go anywhere, like, super big with it. He's just trying to build a brand. He's got some gear for it, shirts, stuff like that. That you know, He's a pilot. That's what he does for full-time work and fishes any minute he gets. But, yeah, 21.6 Fishing, they're on Instagram, I think, YouTube. But yeah, other than that, man, just promote hanging in there, <laughs> be the best man you can be, you know, do what you got to do to support. And, you know, especially after going through COVID, man, I, I don't know what else is really worse. You know, everybody's always, this is always the year Jesus is coming back. <laughs> yeah, It's always something. I did hear from a pastor this last weekend or whatever he was saying. He's like, you know, all these people, you know, you get these new believers or, you know, old school believers, whatever. Oh, you know, Jesus come back, save us all. He's like, absolutely not. He's like, that is the most selfish prayer we could pray anytime. Like, no, Jesus don't come back. Like I got so much time to work and try to move your kingdom forward. Like don't come back right now. (laughs) He's like, there's going to be a lot of people that are pissed off about this comment, but yeah, I don't want Jesus to come right now. There's still too much work for me to do. What have you, what did you you learn about yourself? Like flip my mind set on that. I was always thinking, cause you know, I think that too, you know, like, yeah, come Jesus. Like, you know, obviously we know we get a better life in heaven, but you know, I guess since he said that, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of made me put a little bit in perspective thinking like, Hmm, that is true. You know, we do have more to do, but you know, what did you learn about yourself through COVID? Oh, man. You can run out of projects. <laughs> For real. Like, you're I pulling mean, out the Pinterest yeah, going, know, I could yeah. probably do that one. You know, my family, they tell me, and, like, I mean, most people that know me, they're just like, like, bro, like, you're just always going. You're always doing something. And it was just like, yeah, you can run out of projects, and that gets real boring after that. You know, I'm, I can't wait till the day I retire. But, like, realistically, people are like, what are you going to do? I'm like, fish and hunt like like you already do that more than you should <laughs> like, what no. about what about running a podcast while you're cutting hair <laughs> i've thought about stuff like because we've had some pretty good especially conversations especially back in the day man blades room it was like it wasn't uncommon to have tequila fridays up in the shop like you know you hit 2 p.m in the shop we, we was drinking you know and it, it was drinking cut here i'm making my appointments cut. on like, tuesday <laughs> <laughs> you know so i mean you know, Blades Room's been good to me. It'll always be something that's a part of me. You know, I'm always first and forehand going to be known as a barber. You know, most everybody knows me as that. And You know, sometimes it irritates me, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, people are known by what they do good. And, you know, yep. people know I cook. People know I build relationship. People know I cut good hair, so they say. So, Hey, you know, everybody I mean, keeps I, coming I, back, so I, you I must be doing something good. I see out there that I'm like, well, I don't know if I could do that good, but, you know, I guess that's, you know, everybody's always like, man, this is the best barber in town. But So since since we do have fresh ears in the room that have never heard this story, what am I going to bring up? <laughs> I don't even know. So, so I used to coach his daughter. Oh, I, was thought, I thought it was going to be when I whiffed at that picture. And you're gonna that be is, like, it is check, the check picture. Check this out. <laughs> So I used to coach his daughter. Okay, yeah, that's how we met. That's how we. That's how we met. Uh, Her daughter's playing fast pitch, and and uh, 
I was playing baseball for the Iron Pigs. He was playing baseball for the Angels. And I was going through, and, and we had a photographer for our team. And this picture comes across. And I was like, <laughs> awesome picture. It's the guy was swinging. He, he, he missed the ball, but it was the dirt coming out of the back of my glove <laughs> that made it an awesome picture. Yeah. And showing how all of, like, just my swing mechanics were off. I was standing <laughs> straight up. He doesn't like high fastballs at all. (laughs) Not at all. Oh, I love them, but I can't lay (laughs) off them, we'll say. And I was like, I was like, man, that kind of looks like Randy. So I take the picture the next time we were at practice. I go, go, dude, is this you? And he's like, yeah, that's me. He's like, how did you get this picture? I said, that's me catching. He's like, you play baseball? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, because it was, yeah, that morning we showed up to the field, and I was like, because I think, yeah, I think Sheena was like, yo, isn't that, isn't that Lexi's coach? Wait, yeah, no, Jadeston's. Or wait, no, Lexi. Yeah, Lexi, Lexi, yeah. And I was just like, well, like, yeah, and then it was just like, oh, crazy, we play in the crazy. same baseball league. Small. Because what was that, your first year in the uh, league? Yes. First or second? Yeah, first yeah. or second, something like that. Yeah. So. I really wish more people would get on board. I mean, you know, I think you guys are doing better from the – we're, we're trying. It seems like hold we hold on the, you know, on the whatever side you want to call that political side of it. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> the commissioner and the field finders and all yeah. them. But the board. Yeah. It'd just be nice if there was more PR, I think, on it. Like, you know, it, yeah. it amazes me with the amount of people that I know when I tell them or told them that I played in a hardball league. They're like, oh, how's softball going? I'm like, bro, what part of hardball don't you understand? They're like what is it like slow pitch? I'm like, no bro. Like it's 80, 90 mile an hour fastballs, like curve balls. It'll buckle wood your bats, knees, metal wood bats. Like, you know, there, there's blood left on the field. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's straight up hardball. Well, I almost had a heart attack three weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh bottom of the first inning and all of a sudden it, I just, I had pressure over my heart. My arm went numb and I said, well, if I'm going to die, this Being is where I want to do it. <laughs> so got everything taken off, took a couple aspirin, and and uh, ended up going to the hospital. It was just high blood pressure and stress and, you know, uh, whatever heat. else. Yeah, heat. <laughs> uh, and not, no, it was about 10 o'clock. I mean, it wasn't warm, but, mm. I mean, it was it was supposed to be one of those warm days. Yeah. But we were still ahead of that. Yeah. But just, just a combination of stuff. So tell me how that home run derby worked. So the home run derby, like which everybody, um, whoever signed up for it. Oh, okay. And then, uh, you got 10 pitches and then how many ever you hit out. Hmm. So I'd hit out uh, three. Sean Sullivan hit three. Were they all over the, f- over the road? Um, I hit field? one, you know, where the trees are at on the other side of the road that yeah. go up. Yeah. I hit one about three quarters of the way up. Damn. I crushed yeah, it. That's a shot. Yeah. Um, all these young kids are in there and they're all talking. Oh, I hit one. I got one out. I got two out. And they're like, why are these old guys in here? Yeah. <laughs> you just sit back, son. Now, had there been a center field fence, because mm-hmm. at Priest River it goes straight, yeah. and they have a fence in it, high like school. 500-foot uh, Mark, shot Mark right is calling it right 600. It? Oh, really? <laughs> so it's a shot. And, yeah. I mean, I hit some balls that were deep. I think I should have probably had five out if we're yeah. if there was a fence there. And, yeah, if it rounded instead. Yep. And in high school they did put one in. There mm-hmm. is a fence that goes there, okay. but they got tired of moving it to mow during the summer. It's always good going up to Priest River. That's the hometown. That's where I grew up. So, yep, it's always fun going back up there. But yeah, I was wondering how that went. 
Yeah. No, how, it, how, how people got chose to do it or. Nope. You just whatever. signed up for it. I wish I would have put cleats on. I had two swings where I slipped a little bit. Well, you know, the furthest ball I ever hit in that league was the one, what was that, our championship game against the, the Angels at Northwest Christian. At the top of the fence. Yeah, I'm sure my, my dunk's still on top of it. Damn, I was pissed, dude. Everybody thought that ball was yep. gone. I think I even heard the dugout shouted like, <laughs> Damn! Get out of here! <laughs> Boom. One run double. RBI no. But I think it put us back in that game. Oh, that yes. It was a good little charge to get us yep. back rolling. But, yep. Yep, that was it. Appreciate you coming on, coming yeah, up. thanks for having me. Coming to the studios. Yep, it's always good. Randy, thank you for coming on. Um, check out Blade's Room. Uh, he is on Instagram. Uh, just search Blade's Room. You'll find it there. He posts pictures of the new and upcoming haircuts and and the, the new styles that are out there. So, Randy, thank you for coming in. Um, please check him out. Get your... If you need a haircut, get your haircut appointment booked. Um, he is several weeks out because he is the man. He's up there in the Garland District. Blades Room. Um, remember, like the show, follow along, hit that subscribe button. Leave a rating if you can. Leave a good review. But uh, download the show for me, please. It's been a little extra Lambo. Peace.